she came to me and she said, do you know anybody in LA who'd want to work on Britney Spears? And I was like, I don't live in LA, but I would move there to work on something like that. I was really nervous about suggesting myself because I really don't think that that's like the answer they were looking for. But I would have hated myself, especially now knowing how that's been an important part of my career. I would really have hated myself for not getting through my anxiety and suggesting myself. I knew it was the right thing to do. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. We've got another amazing show today. I've got Cassie Petri, the CEO and co-founder of CrowdSurf. But before we get to Cassie, let's talk a little bit about your brand. Now, we spent all January focused on the Lead With Your Brand New Year Challenge, where we walked you through all five steps of how to lead with your brand and create your own draft brand book. Now, don't worry if you missed out. You can still check out all of the episodes and all of the free downloadable toolkits at jasonpatria.com slash new year. But let's widen the lens a little because we're a month into 2024, if you can believe it. So happy Valentine's Day, happy Lunar New Year, and happy Black History Month. By the way, check out our Black Voices collection of amazing executives, leaders, and changemakers, all who happen to be amazing members of the African American and Black community at leadwithyourbrand.com slash Black Voices. But let's think a little bit big picture, because I am a huge fan of the pie model. In fact, today, I want you to take a big slice of pie, because it stands for performance, image, and exposure. And by the way, that model came from an amazing Black executive named Harvey Coleman, who wrote a great book called Empowering Yourself, The Organization Game Revealed, way back in the early 80s. Now, you see, Harvey Coleman often found himself as a executive of color, as one of the onlys in all of the workplaces that he was in in corporate America. And he created the pie model because he he felt this is what the old white boys club really did, but never really clued in women and other members of marginalized communities. And he said that the secret to moving ahead is focusing on three things. The P is performance. The I is image, all about leading with your brand. And the E is exposure. Now, I love how Harvey put it. He really said, at the end of the day, performance is your ticket to play, right? It is the only thing that we look at at a cross. And if you don't have that performance, if you're not an A player right now because the bar is constantly being raised, you've got to focus on your performance. The second thing he talked about was image, right? That's the message you send before you speak. And that's what we talk all about in the lead with your brand system. And the final piece he talked about was the need for exposure, because it's all about those internal and external opportunities that help you get ahead. Now, here's the way I like to think about it. We always hear that phrase or that term, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody sees or hears it, did it really happen? Well, I think the same thing applies to your brand. If you spend all of this time creating a great brand 
and no one's aware of it, there's no one there to amplify it, how the heck is that going to help you out? So I'm going to challenge you to start thinking about who are the folks in your network? Now, I will tell you this. I hate people that are just focused on networking. In fact, I've just been at several networking events with the Chamber of Commerce and a professional association, and I'm always weary of those people that they look to scan my name tag, and I can tell right there, it's like, oh, am I of value to them or not just on something on my name tag, and they either come up to me or they walk away, and they might come up to me and they immediately start selling me on something because they see something on my name tag or what it is that I do. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't really want to talk to you. And then there's these other fabulous people that are just genuinely friendly and want to reach out and, and talk and ask me what I do and share what they're thinking about and what they're reading and what they're watching and how they create impact in the world. And we just hit it off. And guess what? Like, we may not have anything come of that. But real networks are based on authenticity and bringing your unique self to the table and not that you're just scanning the room to use somebody, right? Now, you all know I grew up in Hollywood in the entertainment business, and that can be the whole downside. So I'm going to challenge you as you enter into the second month of the year to really sit down and take stock in terms of your network. Now, not only who in your network is helping you. But first off, I want to say, how are you feeding and adding value to your network? Are you reaching out to people to see what they're working on so that you can add value, so that you can connect people to other people that you know or other resources in your network? Are you going out and making sure that you're visible or are you just sitting on Zoom and Microsoft Teams with your camera off and showing up right at the meeting and leaving right after and not having any small talk or water cooler talk? Are you hiding in your cubicle on your computer all day when you work in the office as opposed to grabbing lunch with people and having coffee and saying hi to people in the elevator because that's the whole point of going back into the office? Don't throw those opportunities away way to be interacting with, meeting, and building those relationships with folks that are going to help amplify your brand. And I'm going to say, I want you to start thinking strategically about how you can keep in touch with folks. The more and more I talk to people, our hybrid work, our post-COVID world really has broken up all of those norms and we can go throughout almost our entire workday without truly interacting with people in an informal way. So I'm going to challenge you to find those times. Maybe you need to have a Zoom happy hour. Maybe you need to schedule to go to lunch with someone who works in your city, but you don't ever see them because you're not in the office on the same days. I want you to make a plan to make sure that you have worked on your brand and you are ready to promote your unique and authentic self by exposing yourself and building your network. Well, today's guest is a perfect example of building your network in a unique and authentic way. It is Cassie Petrie, who is the CEO and co-founder of CrowdSurf. Now, I sat down with Casey just before the Grammys, and we had an amazing conversation. Now, Cassie has built the company behind the world's most iconic artists, social media marketing, including my favorite, The Backstreet. Boys, Camila Cabello, Paramore, Nickelback, and more. Cassie is the co-founder of CrowdSurf, a leading marketing and music management firm. She's an original fangirl whose admiration for the Backstreet Boys at age 12 led her to create a newsletter that reached fans worldwide. Then years later, she helped seal the band's decades-long superstardom by reintroducing them to the next generation of fans. At age 17, as a college rep for Warner Music Group, Cassie was among the first in the 
the music industry to recognize the vast marketing potential of nascent mid-2000s platforms like MySpace and Facebook. Today, Crowdsurf has evolved into a 50-person team with a presence in Nashville, New York, and Los Angeles, and a revolving roster of accounts featuring some of the most successful artists, comedians, and companies in the industry, including tech giants like Apple and Google, labels like Universal, Disney, Sony, and Warner, and Crowdsurf boasts a collective social footprint of approximately one billion followers. Now that's exposure. Cassie is also a Forbes 30 under 30 and a Billboard 30 under 30 recipient, and she's a leading social media and artist management Hollywood powerhouse. We'll be back in just a few moments with my conversation with Cassie Petrie. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I have a fabulous guest with us today. It is Cassie Petrie. Cassie, what is going on? Oh, man. Uh, it's I don't know when this airs, but it is Grammy week right now. So things are crazy in the music business. And I have a packed week. I'm a little stressed about it, but also excited. And I'm also very happy because last night, I got to go see one of our clients, Brian Adams, play a concert. And he was amazing. So... I'm really good mood. I feel great. Okay. Well, anytime you get to see Brian Adams, you're going to end up being in a good mood, right? I think so. Yeah, I think he's amazing. So, so Cassie, talk to me. You know, you are the co-founder of Crowdsurf, and you are constantly working with artists, you're working with labels, you're working with everyone around the entire sort of music and arts business. So tell me, when you're out meeting people, how do you describe who you are and what it is that you do? So I try to keep it as short as possible, but I say <laughs> I... Uh, and what we've done has evolved a lot, but I try to say... I'm Cassie. I'm the co-founder of a company called Crowdsurf, and we do social media marketing and sometimes artist management for people in the music space. Yes. And so you work with a lot of amazing people, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on the show. I mean, you've worked with Nickelback and Backstreet Boys and Camila uh, Cabello, all of these great artists. So talk to me when you look back over your career, Cassie, what have been some of the big career breakthrough moments for you that got you to where you are today with Crowdsurf? There's been a lot of moments that are really special to me that I think were a big turning point in my career. And they always kind of come from sort of situations that maybe you didn't anticipate them to come from. I remember in 2008, it was one year after I'd started my company, and I was working on a TV show in Nashville called Nashville Star, which is you know, I, I lived in Nashville at the time, so that made sense. And the woman who was doing digital marketing on the show, like I, I was kind of like a consultant under her and she was like the executive sort of digital producer. She came to me and she said, do you know anybody in LA who'd want to work on Britney Spears? And I was like, I don't live in LA, but I would move there to work on something like that. I was really nervous about suggesting myself because I really don't think that that's like the answer they were looking for. But I would have hated myself, especially now knowing how that's been an important part of my career. I would really have hated myself for not getting through my anxiety and suggesting myself. I knew it was the right thing to do, but that was a, a big moment for me for sure. Yeah, and so it sounds like you like threw your hat in the ring, even when that wasn't what they were looking for, right? They were like, who's in your Rolodex? Now, how did you come to this decision that this was the right thing to do to like pack up your life and move? Well, fortunately at that time, I do live in LA now, but unfortunately yeah. at that time, they actually felt like it was okay for me to stay in Nashville because at that time, some of her other team members were also based in Nashville. Oh, wow. So, and it, so, yeah, so it ended up working out. I didn't have to move. I did eventually end up coming out here more just because as 
social media became something that you had to engage with your clients directly and in person more. And I, as I started working in more pop music versus country music, I, it just kind of naturally progressed for me to be out here. Um, but I didn't have to move at that moment, but I would have, um, I've done it, you know, I've, I've packed up my life to move places and last minute before I would, you know, do it again for the right opportunity. Yeah. And what was it like working with an artist like Britney, especially at that time? Yeah. So with, you know, it was interesting. And I mean, and now like I have a lot of different perspective because of, you know, everything that's sort of been revealed about her situation and the conservatorship, but it was, it was interesting, not even just with her, but it, you know, this was 2008, 2009. And at that time, artists didn't really engage with their social media teams directly most artists didn't even have social media teams directly at that point in time. Yeah. So all the communication at that point, because it wasn't as freaking frequent and it wasn't like how Instagram stories go up all the time, you didn't communicate with artists directly. So it was going through her team. And the one of the people I engaged with the most was Larry Rudolph, who was a manager that I really looked up to as a kid and like knew since, you know, from the age 11. So that was a really cool experience for me to be able to engage with somebody like that and, and watch them do their job when I have, you know, had known who they were for like over a decade of my life at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like growing up with an icon, right. And then getting a chance to work with them. Yes, for sure. So what were some of the other big career breakthrough moments for you, Cassie? Another big career breakthrough moment for me was, I think, finally being okay with working on the Backstreet Boys. Mm. And one of the reasons why I was a little nervous about it at first is it's sort of that saying, like, don't meet your heroes. The Backstreet Boys, <laughs> you know, growing up, they they were my life when I was 11 and 12. I had a fanzine online that was like one of my first sort of forays into digital marketing. I love them. I've saw them in concert over a hundred times before I worked with them. Oh my gosh. A hundred times. Yeah. And and now that account is way higher because I go for work now too. I also go because I like it, but a part of it is work now too. So I've, I've seen them a lot, Um, (laughs) but, but I was nervous about it because I, I think I could have like, pushed for that to happen earlier because I I'd known their team for a while. Yeah. But I was scared to push it because I didn't want to like ruin this childhood thing that I had. I didn't want to ruin my 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 life. <laughs> I didn't want to ruin this like I didn't, I didn't, you know, but so what happened was in um Uh, on their tour where they did where it was the new kids backstreet tour. There was this moment in the show and this was not set up. I did not tell anybody where I was sitting. Nobody like they didn't know who I was at the time. They had this moment in the show where the boys pick a girl to bring on stage and serenade them. Yeah. And I got picked for that moment. And it was one of the coolest things that has ever happened to me. Like, there's just nothing like being the girl on the stool that the boy band is singing to and to, like, not know that it was happening and to get picked was so cool. And when I had that moment afterwards, I was like, okay, that's the best experience I think I could ever have with this group as a fan. (laughs) I'm ready to try working with them now. I was like, it doesn't get better than that. Like, the literal, like, best thing that could have happened to me as a fan happened, I was like, this is where I tap out. I'm ready to try it now. It's like, it it doesn't get better than this. I like, I, I I will retire as a fan at this point because I had the best story I could have had with it. And what was it like actually sitting up there on stage? It it's indescribable. You feel like you're in a movie. Like, cause I, so it's like, you know, you got, you get pulled, you get, you get pulled up and like you walk up the little stairs and then like, you feel like every step you take, it like has sort of that like dramatic, like boom, boom, boom. And like, it just like, it's like, you know that there's a ton of people there, but it feels quiet at the same time. And like to actually be able to hear the vocals live and not through the microphone was, I think probably the coolest part about it. Like just to hear 
it was I'll Never Break Your Heart. And to hear that song through the mouth versus through the microphone yeah like like was just it was indescribable it was a really cool moment okay i think i would have been like crying and vomiting if that had happened to me (laughs) (laughs) for some reason i was completely fearless and that's weird for me because i am you know i've i've had to do a lot of work to even be able to do stuff like this in terms of podcast i remember when i used to do presentations in science class like my throat would give out and yeah. I couldn't and like you try to talk and nothing comes out. So I would think that I would be mortified to be on stage, but it was like that went away because it was so cool that I didn't care how idiotic I looked like who was watching. I was just like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. And I was not scared anymore because of that. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. Now, Cassie, I have to talk a little bit about your childhood because you're talking about, you know, this full circle moment of being like the ultimate backstreet uh, fan. So you've always loved music, even as a kid. Did you know that this is what you wanted to do? Or did you want to be something else when you were a kid? So I think up until like the age of 10 or 11, I really didn't have any interest in music. Like at least not more so than like an average person yeah. who like hears it in in the car or sees it on TV sometimes. And I think it's because my family wasn't, you know, my family's not musical at all. And so I just wasn't exposed to anything like that. Yeah. And the only reason I got exposed to a concert around, I think it was probably age 11 was because I was on a softball team and we won the championship and our prize, which I would like this prize now, our prize for winning the championship for like our local neighborhood school softball team was box seats at a Backstreet Boys concert. <laughs> um, I didn't know. I didn't understand how cool that was at the right. time that this happened. But uh, that got me out to go to a concert for the first time in a like you know, in a real way outside of like maybe seeing somebody play at a, like a local park or something. And I fell in love with it at that point and became obsessed with going to concerts. And I would say probably around age 15 is when I had the realization that there are jobs that aren't the person on stage. Cause I never, I knew I wasn't the person on stage. I can't sing. I can't dance. I knew that that, that wasn't who I was. So when I realized like, oh, there's people that help the people I like, I want to do that. And w- at age 15 on, I never looked back. <laughs> Once I realized that that was a job, I became pretty laser focused on it. Yeah. And in fact, I know just a couple of years later, you actually became a college rep for Warner Music on campus. So t- tell me about that. Because I mean, this is like right when you're in school, you're already in the biz. Yes, I felt really fortunate. So one of the things that you read in music industry books and just advice in general when you're deciding if you want to do this or not as a career is you read about how hard it is to get a job in this business. It's competitive. It's a lot of people's dream job, understandably. It's really cool. Like, I I get it. Um, So I was like, oh, man, I have to stack the deck so that I have a shot at this. So when I was in high school... I started working with local bands in Louisville, Kentucky, because I wanted to build my resume and there wasn't really any other option. There's always a local band to build your resume with, though, if you're interested in the music business. Mm. So I started doing just little things for them. It wasn't anything like monumental. I posted flyers about their local shows at coffee shops, like on the little cork board. Yeah. I would collect email list signups at the concert so we could keep in touch with everyone and send them emails later. I helped them set up peer volume pages and just other little things like that helped. I would sell merch at concerts. Um, I would, you know, give ideas on like, you know, maybe a fun activation they could do for their fans or maybe like a merchandise item that I think that they would like or how to cut through the clutter locally. But I just, I basically just volunteered to help local artists one, because I like them, but two, I really wanted to build my resume and I knew that I had to start then. And, And because I had these little buckets of, you know, tiny music industry experiences on my resume, when I applied to be a college rep for Warner, they took me freshman year when I would think normally they probably wouldn't take people 
until junior or senior year. And they told me that, but they said, you seem really motivated and your resume is great, especially for being in a city like Louisville, Kentucky, you seem really motivated and we want you on our team as soon as possible. So that was like my first moment where I was like, Oh wow. Like working hard, like paid off. I got, I already got an opportunity that I was worried I would never get. And I'm not even 18 yet. So that, that felt really good. Yeah. And then talk about the fanzine, right? Because it's kind of like you're right at like the explosion of like the intersection of of music fandom and the digital age, right? Yeah. So when I I, I feel like I didn't love the internet quite as much as I love the Backstreet Boys, but I really <laughs> I like the internet though. I real I thought it was fun. And I remember my house was one of the first houses that had it. And I always give credit to my grandfather. He goes by Pete or did go by Pete. He's unfortunately passed. But Pete loved being an early adopter. He like had Mm. these like tech magazines with little gadgets and would always buy fun little things out of them. But because he's an early adopter, we're one of the first houses to have internet first and had like the little we got he had the little AOL CD installed it on the computer and connected it to the you know the phone line and we were able to get online and it was really fun but something that was really fun was being able to like read more about the Backstreet Boys on AOL and the the World Wide Web (laughs) and and um and and connecting with other fans who kind of felt the same way I'm like oh there's like other people like me this is really cool and in that process I discovered that people made their own email newsletters about different topics. And a lot of people had Backstreet Boys ones. And I'm like, well, I want to make a Backstreet Boys newsletter fanzine. So I started making one and it it was really fun. I met a lot of uh, awesome fans in the process and you, you did collaborations with them. So you would like include each other's links to sign up for the other email list in the, in the zines. And that's how you kind of gain subscribers. So collaboration has always been important. It's important in social media now and in music now. And it was important even, even then, because how else would you get subscribers if other people didn't tell, you know, people about your zine. So we would do that. We would do like guest columns in each other's zines. It was really fun, but I, I learned a lot about digital marketing and social media then. And a lot of that stuff is, still applicable in some capacity today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost like when you're in, at the origins of it, right? The Like those tenants kind of stay the same, even though the the coding and the tech evolves. Yes. Now, now, Cassie, talk to me. Now, CrowdSurf, like you're a co-founder of this. It's grown to be, you know, a 50-person team across three cities. How did you come to found CrowdSurf and your own business? So CrowdSurf kind of came out of there not being a better option for a job that I wanted and my <laughs> business partner. <laughs> it's true. I never was like, I, growing up, I was never like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start my own company. That was just never like my intention or like what I thought about or it just wasn't my prerogative. Yeah. And my business partner Jade was kind of in a similar situation. We both graduated from college 2007 or she had graduated. I was getting ready to graduate and we had both been temping at Warner music group for a couple of years, like helping run MySpace pages for artists and that sort of thing. And there wasn't really like a job to grow into that didn't move away from social media. There weren't community manager jobs yet. There weren't social media manager jobs like that. That didn't, I don't even know if that like term existed yet. Yeah. It, it, it was not, it was just not there yet. And we are like, well, we really like what we're doing, but we don't want to be temps anymore. So let's go out and find some clients and do it ourselves because we're lucky. We found a job that nobody else is really doing yet and we like it and we think that it's valuable and that feels special and we don't want to abandon it because there isn't a salaried job that does it. Yeah. So that's why we started it, really. It wasn't, you know, it was out of necessity, or at least that's how we viewed it at the time. Yeah, so, like, there was a need in the market space, but then you also had a career need, right? It's like you wanted to have a, a, a cool job doing this stuff. Now, talk to me, what, what has been the biggest challenge for you as a co-founder sort of scaling and growing a really successful uh, agency? So... There's a lot of things that you don't learn in school about 
running a company, mm. I would say like the dealing with the artist part of it has been easy. Yeah. Clients are easy. Getting clients are easy. Like all that stuff comes very naturally to me. The stuff that's been hard for me and Jade has been the actual like running the business part of it. Mm. Hiring, staffing, firing, finances, realizing that when you work with companies as a vendor, sometimes people pay you on net 90 and you don't get paid every two weeks. Like yeah. you do. At a normal <laughs> um, that's, that was really hard at the beginning. And I yeah. think kind of a tough pill to swallow in the first couple of years of having this company is realizing that sometimes people don't pay you at all yeah, for the work you did. And that's, uh, and that's tough to plan for when you're, you're a company like ours. Like we never had funding. We, it was just her and I, we, are not independently wealthy. We don't come from backgrounds where we have somebody that can bail us out. So that was scary sometimes when you take a project and you're paying staff to work on it and you have to pay the staff to work on it before you get paid from the client. And yeah. that was, I, you know, I know how to plan for that now, but that's something that I didn't think about before starting the business that was really, really hard. Yeah. And you, you talked also about sort of the, the, people side of the business, right? Just being yes. able to hire and lead and manage. What, what's been your kind of biggest learning over time about leading people? So something that was really hard for me to learn, and I think I'm still learning this today, is everyone's not like you. Mm. And they're motivated by different things and being talked to different ways. And it's hard to kind of figure out like what's direction to take with people sometimes but i think just when i early early in our careers i think like probably 15 years ago i think jade and i both struggle with like why aren't people motivated by the same things as we are why don't they yeah. understand things the same way we do and i think having acceptance and understanding for that has been a journey and we've ha you know hired business coaches i've read a lot of books to like try to understand different personality types. And I would say even still today, that is something that I want to get better at and do better at and still studying and still trying to become more disciplined in terms of controlling how I communicate with people and how I perceive people and having more patience and, and empathy. I think both Jade and I have grown a lot in that process, but it's still something I would like to get better at. So Cassie, let's talk a little bit about your brand as a uh, co-founder and as a leader. Give me three words that you or maybe others would use to describe brand Cassie uh, Petrie. Ooh. Well, it depends on who you're asking, ah. but, but, and that's, and just, so you know, like branding, I feel like I can brand for other people all day long, but it's always harder to do that kind of stuff for yourself. Right. But, but I would say a feedback that I've been getting recently, cause I've really been pushing myself on this yeah. in the past six months has been, um, accessible, mm. which I thought was a cool word to hear. Um, vulnerable, which mm. I also thought was a cool word to hear and i think just like hopeful or positive like it's being able to like be steady and tough it out yeah has been something that's been important to me and i've heard some other people call that out and that made me feel good so i love this accessible vulnerable hopeful and it sounds like this has sort of evolved over time because some of these things you've been working on and you've been excited to hear that people are seeing that. So how have these evolved for you over your career? So I think at the beginning of my career, and this was even before CrowdServe, I felt like I had to be a certain type of personality. A lot of people yeah. told me the Backstreet Boys fan thing is creepy. Don't tell people about that. Um, so I hit it for a while. And when I actually started like sharing that about me, knowing that it would open me up to some risk and some judgment, you know, the, you know, and I'm sure I didn't get some projects because I shared that part of me, Yeah, but I got some really good projects, I think, because I shared that part of me. But I, at the beginning, I was scared to, to do that. And I think a lot of people have said to like, don't be so accessible online like your artist won't like that and, and i think i've sort of figured out a way to over time be accessible but not like and and because I, I think what artists want to avoid is somebody 
sort of writing their coattails or name dropping them. And yeah, I, you know, I'll, I'll mention here and there, like some stories about artists that I work on or, you, you know, campaigns that I've worked on or who I work with, but I, I really try to keep the story about like my perspective and my experience versus sort of like telling their story for them. Yeah. So I think that's sort of my bout figuring out how to do that. It has made me sort of more accessible and, and vulnerable. Yeah. And I think um something else that has made me more accessible is really sort of living by something that a piece of advice that I give a lot of people, which is I think so many people, when they hear about networking, they're so focused on networking up, like who's above me that can mentor me or give me great advice. But sometimes the best thing you can do is network. Like, I don't want to say network down, but network with like your peers yeah, because they're going to be those people in those high up categories one day. And and you all like are going to grow up together and you're going to, be able to support each other. And so I like to take time to meet with people like my age in my quote unquote level. But I also like to meet with people who are just getting started too. And yeah. to be honest, I learn just as much from the people just getting started as I do from the people that I consider my peers to the people that are veterans and have 25 years experience more than me. Like everyone provides uh, insight and value and and knowledge and i think just having that perspective and being open to meeting with the college student as much as i am the head of a giant major management firm yeah you know it has been you know it's been a, a journey to evolve to get to that perspective but i'm really glad that i i kind of pushed myself and had that now and made the time to test meeting with you know, younger people when I wasn't sure if that was, you know, I'm like, Oh, is this a good use of my time? And I've learned that it is a great use of my time. And yeah. I learn just as much as they do probably if not more. Yeah. So I've, I, but I've, I really like where that's sort of netted out. Yeah. And Cassie, I love sort of like your perspective there too, of if you're going in with networking as a notion of like, how do I learn more about people, about the business, about trends, right? Then that also kind of takes away the whole ickiness of like networking, right? Right. Where I'm just like, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to get you to connect me to the next person type of thing. Because yeah. There's maybe a more authentic connection there that's intended. Yeah. And that's, I think a lot of people think that they're supposed to try to use people. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that they see it that way, but that's kind of how like a lot of books and advice on C on yeah. LinkedIn trains people where when I go, like I'll go to London and I'll set up meetings and my agenda is literally to just see people and say, hi, see what they're working on, see what they're doing in their life in general. What is, what is exciting about what they're doing? What are their pain points? But just, I, my only goal is really is to learn about yeah. them professionally and personally. And sometimes good, you know, sometimes I get work out of that. That's cool. That's a bonus. But even if I didn't just the knowledge and perspective I get from those meetings is so invaluable. And like, it's fun too. I get to meet new people and get to learn about them. So yeah. I it's, but I think, yeah, the, it can be really icky when like, so, you know, when you meet with somebody and they're trying to like figure out how to squeeze like every last drop out of you, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's exactly. Not fun. <laughs> like, who else can you connect me with? Right. It's like, yeah, um, right. All of that. Now, Cassie, it also sounds like, you know, early in your career in the business, and certainly I think this is something that people feel in any of these creative or entertainment driven businesses is there's all of this advice, like, don't do this. You have to be this hide this. What was that moment that you re that you kind of realized I, I need to like buck this advice and actually like share who I uniquely am and that I'm a unique fan. Who, um, I think it was probably around the time of starting crowd surf. So like 2007 yeah. is when I was, you know, it's like, okay, I'm not at Warner anymore. I have my own company. I'm willing to take this risk now because it's not under somebody else's name anymore. Uh, you know, I think yeah. that was a big, that, that kind of gave me permission. And I, and I, that's one thing I like about owning my own company is I can try things and it's not going to affect somebody else's pocketbook. Because I think if, even if we had like 
funding or business yeah. partners or a board, I think I would take less risk because I feel an obligation to take care of somebody else's money. And yeah. granted, those risks might make them more money, but they might not. And I don't want it to be my responsibility if I accidentally let you know lit their money on fire, even though I had the best intention yeah. possible. Yeah. So I think just having the freedom of knowing I'm not hurting somebody if I try this really gave me that little extra push to sort of experiment with what I shared and ways to present myself. Yeah. And now Cassie, you also use that term hopeful. So how do you show up as hopeful, especially in a business that can be like kind of jaded right behind the scenes? Yeah, it's, it's tough, but I've, and luckily I've been fortunate enough to watch these stories play out, but the people who end up winning are the ones who show up even when like the day before was really awful Mm. or the, when the piece of content you posted the day before bombed when you thought it was going to be great and you still show up the next day and make another one or post another one, the ones that keep going are the ones who are eventually going to have a good moment. And sometimes it's really hard to stay like disciplined and positive and not give up. Yeah. But I've, you know, I, I've always kind of innately had that. I think even as like a kid, like no, my, I you know I'll go see the Backstreet Boys over and over again, and one day I'm gonna meet them. I don't know when, but I'm gonna make it happen. And <laughs> and, it, and it did eventually. Right. Uh, both as a fan, and then now I like know them. But I I just I don't know. I, I I love turtles, and maybe that's a part of the reason why. But like slow and steady wins the race. Like just showing up every day, even if it's like one tiny little step forward. That's that's how you that's how you get to the places you want to go. Yeah. Um, that makes you want to show up every day without, you know, without getting too tired or being too short sighted. Yeah. Now, Cassie, I love you kind of kicked off our conversation around your professional brand with the whole notion of like, it's so easy to brand artists and clients and other folks that you work with. And it's really hard to, you know, implement that on yourself. Give me a sense because you and your team are really in like the brand management uh, business, right? Like you're, you're helping uh, artists promote and maintain their brands in these social and digital spaces. What are some things that you and your team do with artists around amplifying their brand that you think anyone, regardless of what they do in their career could sort of leverage to build their own brand? So I think the most important thing that people don't think about when putting together their brand is that it does take time, not in like the sense of like a period of time, but if you want to figure out what your brand is, you're going to have to like dedicate time on your calendar to actively think about that. And there's a lot of ways that are like sort of good starting exercises that can be if you're trying to figure out the visuals of like what you want your Instagram to look like or what you want your logo to be just spend some time on Pinterest to make boards and look at other images and just even think about what you like and and don't like. But regardless, it's not just something that like you're going to think about in 10 seconds, you're going to have to push yourself a little hard and be like, okay, I'm going to spend an hour and I'm going to just look at images on Pinterest that, you know, it depends on what you're doing, but that are logos that I like or color schemes that I like or clothes that I like what, you know, whatever is applicable, but you have to dedicate you have to schedule it the same way you would scheduling a client meeting or going to the gym. You have to spend time researching and thinking about and reflecting about what your brand is. And if you, I think people think that that's supposed to come to them, they should just know, or they don't. And sometimes it's not going to come to you if you don't like give it, space to come to you. Yeah. So I love that whole notion. It's like, you've got to schedule time. It's not just like, Oh, I'm going to go. And suddenly I know what my colors are. Right. Or I I know what my look and look and look and feel is. What's another tidbit of advice that you use with your, your artists around branding? You know, something else I like to encourage people to do is, you know, you think about the emotional reactions you have to different things you see online. What emotional reaction do you want people to have? when they consume your content. Yeah. Well, how do you want to make them feel? Do you want them to feel inspired? Do you want them to feel excited? If it's a sad song, do you want them to feel sad with you? Or do you want them to feel hopeful because you came out of this sad moment? But like, what, how do you want people to feel when they see the things that you're 
posting on the internet or you're packaging at a store, what, you know, anything that involves engaging with your brand, what, how should people respond to that emotionally? Yeah. So really putting the audience at the center of that, right? Not just yourself. Yes. So Cassie, I know we could talk all day, but I've got some, some fun kind of quick fire questions to close us out. Um, We've been talking all about your brand and then some of the amazing uh, music brands that you represent. What is your favorite brand as a consumer? What is, what, what can't you live (laughs) without? What can I not live without? Oh man. I mean, it changes all the time, but right now my favorite bathing suit brand is i think it's jolin like j-o-l-y-n ah. love it's i'm i'm learning how to surf they have a lot of really great very fair price point just cute surf outfits body inclusive it's great i love it i just bought like six bathing suits from them. oh so my that's gosh my, that's my current like choice of the moment or my current brand yeah at the moment. well and i'm loving that you're learning how to surf that is brave yeah it's hard um, but it's, <laughs> but but when you catch a wave it's just like the nature's roller coaster it's amazing yeah when i when i tried to learn how to surf i was like oh my gosh i don't even think my arms can fit to the other ends of the surfboard to even get out <laughs> so yes um but it's all worth worth the ride now cassie tell me if you were a type of car what type of car would you be i think that i actually own the type of car that i am yeah. which is i have this 2015 like little Fiat 500 that but it's green and has a, like ah. a brown, a brown drop top thingy, yeah. like not a full convertible, but it comes down and it, it looks like a turtle and I like turtles. So <laughs> Cause slow <laughs> and really steady cute. wins the race, right? It's just so cute. I love it. So that I would like to be that car. And why, why, mm-hmm. why are you like that Fiat? Why am I like that Fiat? Cause I think it's like, it's fun, but it's a little unexpected for like what I would drive because, mm. you know, I'm tall. It's tiny. Like, I just don't think people I like I like something to be a little unexpected, but also make sense. And people will see me show up in that car sometimes and they're like, oh, like, that's totally what <laughs> not what I thought. But like, it also like makes, makes sense. sense. And also it looks like a turtle and you like turtles. So I, don't know. <laughs> I, I like it. But it's just like it's just really fun. and unexpected and i love that Ooh, me too now finally cassie what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners Ooh, so this is always a tough one and i feel like i change my answer every time but i think that the best thing you can do in terms of you know going after the career you want if, if you don't know what you want to do, the same thing we were talking about branding earlier, yeah. really think about, spend time thinking about what would make you happy and what problems you think you could solve for people. Because when you're problem solving for somebody, whether it's your own company or you're at another job, if you're problem solving, that means you're helping people. And I think that's yeah. going to make you feel like you're living a meaningful life. And if you're just doing something for the money at some point, I just, you don't think you feel, you don't feel like you're contributing to society. And I think that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, Cassie Petri, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We love uh, all of the amazing artists that you support through CrowdSurf. And uh, if people want to learn more about some of your artists, where should they go? So I'm most active on my Instagram and LinkedIn personally. So just Cassie, C-A-S-S-I-E, P-E-T-R-E-Y. And we also have an Instagram for CrowdSurf and it's just C-R-O-W-D-S-U-R-F. And we're um, actually posting more there this year. So check it out if you can. Uh, Cassie Petri, thank you so much for being on the show. Good luck at the Grammys this week. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. 
what an amazing conversation with Cassie Petrie, the CEO and co-founder of CrowdSurf. You know, her stories are just so amazing because I love that being a super fan is what made her unique and made her the leading founder and executive that she is today. And you know what else I really took away from my conversation with Cassie is when you're thinking about building your network, don't just focus on the people that you think are important. I love that Cassie reminds us all that it's all about building great relationships with your peers and even the folks that work with you because you never know in another year or two, that intern, that coordinator, that assistant that you sat next to on a desk, they may be your boss. They may be the huge CEO of a mega corporation. So it's all about giving love and kindness and building your network in a way that's about helping other people in the hopes that one day someone will be able to help you, but not doing it in a super selfish way. Well, that's our show for you today. If you loved what you heard, make sure you are following us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll bring you a brand new show every couple of weeks. Now, check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And give me a follow or a connection on LinkedIn. I love to share tips and tricks and hear from you. In fact, your questions or comments might just show up in a future episode. Of course, it's Black History Month, so make sure you're celebrating with us on our Black Voices collection at leadwithyourbrand.com slash Black Voices. And most of all, and most importantly of all, in your career, don't be that boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure that you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.